This is a Fubar Radio podcast. If you need any more information, head to fubarradio.com. Fubar Radio and UN Women UK present a live 24 hour radio show. 24 hours. Welcome to the show. This is Fubar Radio. We are currently doing a live 24 hour marathon, all for the He for She campaign to raise money and raise awareness. Um, we are working with UN Women UK during um, Arts Week London. Now, if you want to get involved by donating, and you know, the He for She campaign is all about gender um, equality. We as women need to work side by side with men to get our voice heard, to get our stories told and really make a difference. We want to start the conversation on this show and raise awareness. So if you want to donate, all money donated is going towards changing the reality for women and girls globally. Text UNWN15 followed by the amount you want to donate to 770. I'm also joined by... Kayla Stark, are you having a lovely, a lovely morn? Oh, you're such a good hostess. I'm having a lovely morning. Thank you, darling. That's all right, my darling. Thank you very, very much. I think we need another guest, don't you? Yes, absolutely. On the phone lines right now, we've got Robin Vinter. Robin, hello. Hello. Hello, Robin. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? Yeah, really good, thank you. Yeah, how are you guys doing? I'm doing good. Doing she good. Is, she's doing very well. I don't really know what day it is. I'm not going to lie to you, Robin. Um, <laughs> no idea. But um, doing very, very good. Um, now, Robin, you are the founder and editor-in-chief at The Overtake. Um, yeah. Tell us about The Overtake, first of all. We are a news website for millennials. Um, so we do good quality news, um, good quality journalism. Everything that we produce is completely original. So, you know, sometimes you see... Um, kind of when you're looking at different newspapers you see that they all have the same stories and we all kind of copy each other uh, we don't do any of that so everything we, we do is completely unique and it's all um, kind of long long form articles um, so there's kind of a perception that young people don't want to read that stuff and that's that's not true you know we, we found that people are happy to read long articles as long as it's about things that they're interested in yeah, very, very true, very true. And, you know, you've also been contributed to The Guardian, uh, BuzzFeed yes. and iNews. Um, what, well, first of all, um, how did you get into writing? Is it something you've always wanted to do? Um, how, how did it happen for you? Yeah, I, well, actually, I, I can remember distinctly when I was doing my A-levels and I, did, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I'm just somebody who's not very good when I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay, once I know, I'm fine, but... Yeah. Um, and I remember my boyfriend at the time, I was, I was around his house talking to his parents. And I was, I was like, oh, I just, I, you know, I don't know, what, don't know what I want to do. And his mum was like, oh, well, I think you'd be quite a good journalist. And then I was like, oh. And then I just, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> and that gave me the idea to do it. Um, so then, yeah, I did a, did a degree in journalism mm-hmm. um, and then was one of the kind of very few lucky ones to actually get a job in the industry because it's so so difficult mm. um but I was, yeah i was just very lucky that a place that i'd done work experience um a job came up not long after so um yes yeah, so i was very fortunate because it's not that easy for most people it really is and that's actually what we've been talking about a lot during the show um we've mm. had a lot of um actors um comedians singers um, and talking about how difficult it is, because it is, isn't it? There's a lot, I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, you go to uni, come out, easy peasy. But there's a lot of rejection, isn't there? There's a lot of grafting and hustling. Um, yeah. Yeah, tell yeah. us about that side of it. 
Yeah, especially for like, uh, it's it's really difficult for in, so in journalism. I don't, I'm not so sure about the other industries, but in journalism, mm. you there's a lot of working for free often mm. before you get a job. So again, I yeah. I was really lucky. I I did three weeks work experience. I did a week. So the first week of work experience that I did was at Farmers Weekly magazine, which is an agricultural magazine, mm-hmm. and I um, it wasn't what I wanted to do at all. But as part of my course, we had they they forced mm. us to do work experience. And I'm really glad that they did because I wouldn't have done it otherwise because it didn't interest me. Mm. Um, and then because I've been forced to do that work experience, they um, yeah they had a job a, a job available, and I was really lucky. So I only actually did probably three weeks unpaid you know work experience wow. um yeah which which is just crazy to think now because actually most people who get into journalism end up writing for free for, for a yeah. while mm. um yeah and uh yeah uh it's it's obviously there's there's a kind of financial pressure to that um so a lot of young people are um you know very very talented but don't have the financial backing from, you know, wealthy parents or even, you know, even just middle class parents. So, you know, mm. they just end up not being able to make it, which is which is really sad. Do you know what? That's one of my bugbears, actually, I think, as a freelancer, is the amount of, you know, oh, um, could you do this job for free oh. for experience? Or mm. it's you wouldn't get that in any other industry, would you? Um, and I always think, oh, it's because, you know, you're always going to find someone that will do more hours for free. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever? Do you think that will ever stop, or do you think again, because you're a freelancer and because we do need experience, and we there will always be those people that take those jobs for free. Do you think it will never change? And it's, you're taking advantage, isn't it? We are being taken advantage as freelancers. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a fine line because obviously when mm. you when you're first trying to get into the industry, you you aren't as you know, you're not as good as somebody who's yeah. been writing for, you know, 10 years or, you know, whatever. So people do get what they pay for, generally speaking, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people will start to wise up to that a little bit. So, you know, at the moment, editors are just very under pressure. So they'll mm-hmm. they'll get people to do it for free. Um, but then I think, like, I think quality is going to win out eventually. I think people are going to realize that. Yeah, and that's it. And it's, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, I, I really obviously want to give a lot of young people opportunities in journalism that they don't already have, but there is there is an obvious difference that mm. often with the quality of their work compared to somebody that you know that's got a lot more experience. Um, and you can't always tell, you know, when you when a when a freelancer comes to you and says, "Oh, I've got this idea for an article. Can I can I write it for you?" Sometimes, and then they give you know they give you some examples of the work that they've done. You can't always tell that someone's a student or, or mm. not, which is you know fine, and I, I don't blame them for mm. that at all. But you can usually tell when when the work arrives yeah. because you know just simple simple rules that they they haven't learned yet and things like that. And you wouldn't have expected them to have learned them learned them already. But so I do think people you know hopefully they'll I don't know how it's how it's going to be and where the money in the industry is going to come from. But I do think that people are going to start realising that there is a distinct difference between people who've been writing for a long time and people who haven't. I suppose it's just a a case of not exploiting um, Mm. the unpaid um, work and taking it too far, which I suppose, and actually we're we're seeing a lot more laws in place to protect that, you know, from happening to um, students or, or young writers and young freelancers as well, which is good. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that, I think you're absolutely right. I think um, it w- it'll get worse before it gets better, <laughs> but I do think yeah. it'll get better. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, you know, let's, you know, this is obviously, um, this show is in support of the He For She campaign. And we've been talking a lot about, um, obviously, sexism in many mm. different industries. What, if any, sexism have you come across being a female um, writer in, in this industry? I think I've been relatively lucky. Mm. So I think um, a lot of it has come from, a lot of it comes from not journalists and journalism and the place that you work, mm. but the people that you end up interacting with. Um, so quite often, I don't know, you'll get, I used to be a business journalist, so I'd go and interview the boss of a company or something. Um, and I, I could just tell that he'd be, you know, dismissive because I was a young woman who'd be dismissive of my questions um I'd get asked what my you know what my experience was Mm. and and you know things like that which not always is is due to sexism I think sometimes that's probably due to ageism but then there's the other side of it where I don't know like I I remember coming back from an interview once in one of my previous jobs and I got back to the office and I was telling everyone about the interview and I was like oh yeah and then he just put his hand on my leg and then the um, the other women in the office were like, oh, that's annoying. And the men were like, "What? he did what? And they were like, <laughs> oh, do wow. you want me to go and speak to him? And, you know, like, they were really shocked that something like that would happen. Yeah, whereas, whereas you know, the women are much more, you know, accustomed to that kind of behaviour from yeah, older well, men, I guess. Well, that's exactly what Rachel and I were talking about earlier. We, we were actually saying the hand on knee and we both just went, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, gosh, yeah, we know that one. Um, yeah. Because and, and I think yeah you're right men men are quite often shocked by it because <laughs> they don't yeah, realize how definitely. often it happens. Yeah, 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 that's it. And and because we don't really talk about it, you know, mm. I, it just came up in conversation when I you know like w- when I'd got back to the office. Um, but because we don't talk about it very often, um, it, they just they just don't know. Often yeah. I think there's the men that do it, the, the perpetrators that know yeah. what they're doing, mm. but that you know everybody else often just doesn't know about it. Yeah, it's very very true. It's very true. Um, Robin Vinter, we're going to have to say our farewells. Um, annoying that I could chat to you for ages about this. Um, <laughs> but thank you for talking to us. Thank you for taking the time out. Um, no problem. And have a wonderful morning. <laughs> thank you, yes. Robin. Thank you, you too. Thank Hope you get you. on all right. <laughs> Hope I keep my voice. And thank yeah. you so much, Robin. Take thank care. You. Take care. Bye. Bye. That was uh, Robin Avinter there, uh, founder and editor-in-chief at The Overtaken. Again, made a very interesting point uh, in the fact that the free stuff as a freelancer mm. that we get offered, I get offered, even now, it's like, I don't need the experience. I've had a lot of hours. <laughs> I can definitely add a lot of hours uh, to the rotor. Um, but it is, it, yeah, it, it is exploitation. But because mm. you're a freelancer... You don't argue, you don't rock the boat. So there's lots, I think, in this industry to change. There really, really is. Now, we are going to have a guest um, in the studio very shortly. We've got uh, Roxy, um, and I believe her surname, but I will double-check when I meet her. Uh, Roxy uh, Nafusi, writer, blogger, and mental health ambassador, coming into the studio uh, very, very shortly. But I think we should play um, some music, and I'm just trying to think... <gasps> I know which music I'm going to play. Uh, Now, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a little breather. We'll be back very, very shortly. This is my favourite game by the Cardigans.
Now that was um, Cardigans, my favourite game. And we've got in the studio uh, Roxy Nafusi. Did I pronounce that correctly this you time? You did. Good morning. Thank <laughs> you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm so impressed by how good you look this morning. It's uh, it's a mockery of a sham <laughs> rolled up in a lot of makeup. A hell of a lot. Um, but I, yeah, and I, I, I like how quite a lot of people are saying, though, you know, you're doing really well. It's like, let's see if I actually reach the five o'clock. <laughs> Because it's still borderline at times. But um, it's wonderful to have you here um, for our show, for the UN Women UK and He For She campaign. Uh, you're a writer, blogger, mental health ambassador. Yeah. Um, and I know you want to talk about, first of all, why women feel the need to look a certain way to be accepted. And this is a huge conversation. It's so... And we touched on this. Um, mm. My background, I used to be a dancer and I used right. to have um, an eating disorder for a lot of it. And it was something... And again, it's still that's still quite a taboo. A lot of people don't understand really what eating disorder is, and it's embedded, I think, in a, females how we've got to look. It goes back when you look at fairy tales that you know the beautiful one is the one that everything. Where do we even begin with this? Where do we even begin with why we feel the need of how we look to to like ourselves? Where do we start with this? I mean, I honestly don't even know where we start, mm. but. I think now that people are talking more about mental health and people are coming out and being more open about their depression, um, anxiety, we can start looking at what the root causes are. Yeah. And I think for women, you know, there are lots of different causes, but the pressure to look a certain way is just astronomical. Yeah. And it started, you know, people, I think because we're talking about it now, you kind of think it's more now than it was, but I don't think it is actually. I think it's always been like this. We just haven't been as open about it. Mm. Um, but for me, I, I opened up about my issues with depression because I, I wanted to use the platform that I had to, you know, reach out to other women. Mm. But I know it started definitely when I was young at school and flicking through magazines and we didn't understand what airbrushing was. So you genuinely believed that people's skin was like that. And I had mm. acne. So I was like, yeah. what? How yeah. is their skin that good? But it plants that seed. It's already... 100%. Yeah. And then, you know, at school it was normal for girls to, to have eating disorders almost. Yeah. You know, everyone would yeah. miss lunch and it was, you know, a battle of being, you know, the skinniest, yeah. the yeah, best people looking. Were of it weren't they completely that people were completely unaware of it when they were doing it yeah it was yeah. just normal to be, it was just like that's what girls do yeah 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 like i have found like a sheet it was like our diet although it was full of sugar it was like one piece of toast for lunch with jam and one tea with eight sugars yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but we all did it it's yeah. so, so true but again mm. you're planting that seed and when you um opened up about your depression what's the reaction you got um, I probably couldn't have expected how uh, how good it was in the sense that so many people reached out saying that they felt the same and that knowing that someone else felt it, uh, they didn't feel as lonely. I think because I put so much of my life on social media mm. and I am definitely one of those people that also only puts the best bits and the highlights, yeah. Yeah. I sort of felt bad that I was... Firstly, I looked at my Instagram feed and I thought... You know, if I looked at this from another person, I'd think, God, she's so arrogant. She's so confident. Yeah. She's so, you know, got a perfect life. life. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so not the case. And I think there is a sense of responsibility to say, um, actually, this isn't like this. Mm. And I'm only posting the days where I feel good. And actually behind that, there is a lot of, you know, 
the, the dam- lot of damage, I guess, mm. which I think I've overcome now through speaking about it and through yeah. being able to help other people. Um, but but being honest and authentic is one of is a big thing for me. So it really made me a lot happier that I could actually start to open up about it and help other people. What is this stigma? Do you think um, I'll say in this country with uh, mental health? Um, <sighs> Why do we still find it so hard to talk about it? Why do we have this fear of being, I guess, judged? I think there's a sense that being unhappy isn't very cool. And it's not very likable. It's weak. And, yeah, and you think that, you know, people are going to judge you and not want to be around you, basically. Mm. I think no one wants a moaner or a complainer. And you feel that by saying, you know, I'm feeling really low, I'm feeling that you're being a bit of a mood hoover, like killing someone's vibe. Yeah, And, you know, everyone's like, you know, she's got such good energy. She's so this, you know, and that's what you want to be. Everyone wants to be that good energy. So when they don't feel, like, as happy as they could... Mm. I think that's why they tend to isolate themselves, which then makes the problem worse. It, it escalates the problem. It really, really does. Um, and, we, you know, we mentioned before about kind of the pressures on young women. I always say if I was born quite a few years ago um, and I had things like Instagram and all the filters, I, I don't know where I would have been. I really, really don't. <laughs> um, so, you know, how much does that affect your mental health when you... You just look at all these pictures and you just want to be perfect. How, how much does it affect someone? I think massively. Yeah. But I think, because I love social media and I hate it at the same time, mm. and I think what's really key is knowing when you are able to use it without it letting you get, get you down. So I think if you're feeling confident in yourself and you have lots of self-love, you're not looking at as other people as competition, which we do a lot as women, you know. And, but then the press are always putting us against each yeah. other and, you know, look how they've aged, look at this, look at that. Exactly. And we're always, we are put in that competition. Yeah. But it's not... It's, we well, have, yeah, I mean, I wrote about it yesterday on my Instagram because I think like it does all start with self-love and if we don't have love in ourselves we're gonna see other people as oh my gosh they're better than us they have something that i wish that i possessed yes so that can bring make social media bring out lots of negative feelings and lots of unhappiness lots of comparison lots of um you know self-judgment but if you're on there um sorry (laughs) yeah Oh, oh! Don't worry. I don't even know. One of the interesting things is how how much things have changed in the sense of um, so magazines. I remember when I was younger, there would be these whole pages dedicated to circling celebrities' faults. Like she's got. Look at this. Look at this. And what's fascinating is they've actually you know made magazines pretty much get rid of that because it's a ridiculous thing that no one will buy into anymore. However, now we're doing it to ourselves. So you know the the young girls on Instagram are actually getting their pictures and they are circling their faults and covering them and you know photoshopping them before they put them online. So it's interesting how we've moved away from we can't do that to people and it's not fair to highlight you know uh, you know negative anything that's the scene as negative um and now we're actually all doing it to ourselves which is um an interesting journey i think yeah it seems like quite a natural thing to pull ourselves down so you know you mentioned self-love what is the first step in finding that self-love for people that are struggling with it Mm. i think if you're in that sort of in that frame of mind where you're not feeling like you're loving yourself, I would mm. get off social media for a time. 
I think we all need to do that sometimes. Yeah. It's healthy, I think, because to do that. That's you. You're always going to see something that is going to make you upset, whether yeah. it's a friend at a party. Like, can you imagine being 15 and your parents didn't let you go to a party, and then you see your friends there? You know, you'd feel, awful. you'd feel yeah. awful. Yeah, you would. So I think it's getting on social media for a week and really going back to where these insecurities began. And usually they do begin at school with the popularity contests, yeah. and it affects you. It does. Uh, yeah, and you know those, you know, girls that have eating disorders at school. You know, it really doesn't leave you. I think the insecurity just changes so yep. while it starts with maybe an obsession with food then you know it could change to an obsession with boys or work or you know the pressures change it's but they're, they're yeah. always there and they start really early on um so it's going back and looking at your inner child i think and really sort of saying okay where where did this stem from but what what has been doesn't mean who i'm going to be mm. so allowing yep. yourself yep. that space to really uh be with those feelings understand them and then start working on them. So you, you um, writer, blogger, um, how, how, explain how have you ended up to be this mental health ambassador? Was it the writing first um, that then brought you to social media? How did it? How did it work for you? I think it started as social media and the mm. blogging, and I just I felt a bit empty from mm. it. Um, yeah. Not that it's not an amazing job because it is, and a lot of people do it phenomenally well. Mm. But I'm not one of those people. I can't stand <laughs> in the street, and ha I hate having my picture taken. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I get so nervous and like really anxious, and I just feel like it's like a light on all your insecurities. Yeah. So it's definitely so I wasn't able to really be the best blogger because I just didn't have that confidence for it. Yeah. Um, and then, but I always loved writing. And then it was, I was writing a bit for Marie Claire online and that's when I did my first um, big article really coming out about how unhappy I was at the time. And definitely I thought, oh, everyone's going to think I'm such a loser. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, because you're so raw and vulnerable because you are putting a part of you out there. Yeah. You know, to have people give you their opinion on. Exactly. But I think I'm... I, I'm quite like that in all of my life. I'm very, I like I can't lie, yeah. and like I can't be like I just I, I tell everyone everything. Brilliant. It's like a constant stream yeah. of my feelings. Yes. My friends all think I'm mad because I'm like I'm feeling so bubbly today. I'm feeling sad today. You know, there's a constant stream. <laughs> it's kind of what I'm like. This is running commentary of the roller coaster of what I'm feeling right now. By the hour, literally, oh, yeah, I've been. I tell you, there, there's a few lost hours I've had of the last 24. Um, Obviously, this is um, all for the He For She campaign, men and women working together. We have spoken about um, the women's side of this, of the mental health issues. But men, you know, they we are, I guess, more fortunate in the way that we can talk to each other. Yeah. Men can't. They talk to each other less. So what do men do if they are struggling with this? Where can they, what can they turn to? Well, I think that's almost why men are really not in relationships. Don't you find that you know the girlfriend is really the best friend for the man? Yeah, you know? that's so true. Whereas us yeah. girls, we have each other. So when we yeah. go for lunch, we kind of counsel each other. Yeah, we do. You, you yes. know, and you come out and you feel you know you feel good. Yeah. Um, I think. I don't know, because in the industry I'm in, I think there is a sense that men can um, are able to be more open. But if, mm. say, look at the city, you know, it's that boy's... Stiff up a lip, yeah, kind you know, of attitude. And you, you, oh, shut up, get over it. You know, if yes. a guy breaks up with a girl, it's, oh, move on, find yeah. someone else, you know, and they and can't you, deal and with it. And they can't release any emotion, really, because they've got to be the... 
you know, the guy keeping up appearances. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, if you go on the Mental Health Foundation website, there are a lot of ways that... Um, there are a lot of like different places that men can go to speak to people maybe they mm. don't know which might be easier for them um you know counseling therapy um yeah you know but also just i don't think women uh and men are really judging each other the same way that they were so i think hopefully you know once you know men we're all innately nice kind people i believe yeah. so if you know if you're listening and you're a man you know and you are feeling low open up to someone because people want to help other people yeah. and they want to hear um, and there are people that are willing to listen and it doesn't make you less of a man or anything like that you know actually it makes you more of a man that you can open up about your vulnerability absolutely I, yeah, yeah I agree I think it's very very brave and say if you were to look back five years ago ten years ago to now do you think that stigma is changing do you see us again talking about this so much more freely or do you think we've still got a way to go definitely I think Five years ago, someone, a friend told me that someone else in my family was depressed. And I remember thinking, that was such an insult. I was like, she's not depressed, are you mad? You yeah. know, and I was so I know insulted mean, yeah. by it. Yeah. Whereas now, if, you know, someone said, you know, you're depressed or so-and-so is, you know, suffering from depression, there would be an empathy with it, not a, that's an insult. Yeah. You know? So I think the stigma is changing, 100%. Yeah, it's an... And it will only keep on changing. It really, really will. Um, that's all we've got time for with you, Roxy. Thank, Thank you, you. Um, so, so much. Um, what is your Instagram? Instagram. It's going to be Instagram <laughs> right it's now, It's going to be a long day. About 18 hours in. It's an Instagram. What's your Instagram? It's Roxy Nafusi. Amazing. And people yeah. can maybe reach out to you on there if they're Yes, I really love speaking to people. Um, so direct message at me and I can do whatever I can to help. It's amazing. Thank you for taking the time out to talk to Thank us. I really so appreciate much. it. Um, we're going to take a very short break. This is the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs with Zero. Shake it. Welcome back. Um, that was the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Uh, this is Bar Radio. My name is Rachel Downey. We are currently very, very deep into the live 24-hour marathon show. All in aid for the He For She campaign. We're working alongside uh, UN Women UK. Now, if you want to get involved, and uh, for me, the whole point of this show is to raise awareness and raise money for the fantastic He For She campaign. Now, all money donated is going towards changing the reality for women and girls globally. Now, all you need to do um, to donate is text a UN WN15, followed by the amount you would like to donate to 770. That's 770. If you want to find out any other information, just go to londonartsweek.org. Now, in the studio, is there any... Do you want to put your headphones on? That might help. I don't mind. Um, you'll be able to hear, hear all my dulcet tones. <laughs> uh, in the studio, we've got uh, Michelle... Is it Panetta? Yeah. Michelle Panetta. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time out to join us today. It's Thank lovely. Thank you so much. Um... I'm very excited the fact you're, you're a yoga instructor with 23 years experience and you introduced Bikram yoga to the UK. I did, yeah, 1994. That is incredible. Wow. I've, I've been living in Los Angeles and I've done it there yeah. to fix my knees and it worked. So I accidentally started teaching it when I came <laughs> to London and it took off. So, um, yeah. so what is it about, first of all, um, well, we'll talk about Bikram yoga. What is it about Bikram yoga that made you um, want to 
literally bring it to the UK? What are the benefits? Um, well, I didn't plan to bring it. It was just that it worked on my knees. Yeah. And so um, I'd been a martial artist before and ruined both my knees doing that. And so I was amazed um, that you could actually fix things without needing surgery necessarily. So that's why I started teaching it and um, did that for about 15 years. And then five years ago, I had developed my own yoga system, which is now Fierce Grace, which is what we are now. Yeah. And um, I had, yeah, we now have six, seven studios in London. Wow. Um, and 23 outlets. We've just opened in New York and also in Rome. So it's wow. very exciting. Oh, that is incredible. How... How did it come then for you to create Fierce Grace Yoga? Did you see a gap in the market? Do you love... How did it happen? Yeah, it grew sort of organically out of teaching half a million people and over 17 years and seeing what they needed, seeing what they wanted, seeing where they were going elsewhere to get Mm. other variety and things like that and talking to them and then my own body and the bodies of all my teachers and we just... Yeah, it just basically developed over a long time. I've been all over the world, done yoga with all kinds of different teachers. And there wasn't anything that was ticking my box. So I was like, "Mm, this isn't doing it for me. I couldn't find anything that was what I wanted, which had, you know, the right combination of, you know, really strong stuff to get you fit and healthy, but also Mm. had some soft stuff for those days when you just like feel like you just cannot have somebody push you too hard. So I developed, (laughs) you know. I think we might have one of those days now. Think oh, I might good luck be then. That day. I'm going to push you through it. Oh, yes. Uh. Well, do you know what? the? I would say the embarrassing thing is I, um, well, Michaela and I both used to be uh, dancers. I used to be a professional dancer. I think I've done yoga like twice. Yeah. And I used to be a ballerina. I used to, I don't know enough about yoga. I I don't know whether it's because I feel like, well, I, I, it, it's a very scary concept because yeah. I don't know it. I don't yeah. feel comfortable going to a class exactly so is that a very common it's so common and that's one of the reasons why I've, I've done what I've done because everyone I would meet would say the same thing even athletes um, or you know someone's mum or dad they just feel that there's this kind of club that they feel excluded from and they don't know what they're going to get when they get when they went there so I think part of our, our branding just grew out of wanting people to feel really comfortable yeah so all we we don't use beautiful skinny models you know we just use the people that come to class you know geezers and like muscly people and people who are a bit overweight people who do crap postures and used to be photographed the posture like yeah. you know probably yoga magazine wouldn't think it was technically correct but that's the best that person can do and it it makes it feel much more comfortable for people i didn't even put yoga in the name of the of my yoga because i just think Sometimes people make connotations with it. You're just moving your body in a really, really sensible way that doesn't destroy your joints over time. And it's just, there's 900 moves in the whole yoga and we just chose the best ones and it's just a really practical thing. Already that makes you feel a lot more comfortable. I know we are, um, we don't have too much time, but you are going to show us some, some moves. Yes, well, I... Some yoga moves. I was wondering what you might want. Do you want to feel more relaxed? Would you... No. If, would you like to have a bit more energy? <laughs> I will be horizontal. Okay, um, so we need to wake you up a little and give you a bit yes. of a... Give yeah. me a little bit of yeah. shush. Okay, let's shush you up a little bit yeah. then. Think well, it's time I got zhoosh. I'm going to teach you the first one, which is a little bit less known. It's not really a yoga pose. It's a sort of combination of breathing and getting digestion oh, okay. and energy going. Yeah, So I'm ready. Are we going to stand up and do this? Let's, let's do, do it. it. Okay. I can stand. I can stand. It's harder than it looks just to get some people. You're, you, you've been a dancer, so you'll probably get it in no time. So you basically, 
you basically have your feet apart and have your arms like this, like you're going to power walk. And if you don't concentrate on your hips, imagine that your hips are like a turntable, yeah. you know, a record ah, on a turntable. Yes. And if you just move your arm, oh my God, that's good. <laughs> if you move your oh, hips back and forth like this, like you're off. one of those American washing machines. And you suck your stomach in and you lift your chest up. And now we're going to do it much faster. And we're going to do this with our nose breathing. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, get a head rush. You'll get a head rush. Is that blowing out or? Through the nose, exhaling. And just, yeah, my God, you guys are good. And suck your stomach in. And what's this doing? It's waking up your digestion. It's improving your entire spine top to bottom. And you're going to get a stitch in a minute, you'll yep. find. <laughs> because you don't, I'm need, there. you don't need your coffee in the morning if you do this, let me put it that way, without too much uh, detail. So let's do it a little bit faster. Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left. This is a Kundalini exercise to waken all your energy. Oh, I'm getting a head rush. Yeah, stitch. All right, so do, you, you would do drink. that as long as you can. Yeah, my God, you guys. Would you usually so recommend good. you don't have beers before doing this? Uh, well, if you did have them, it would be, they would be sooner out of you. Okay. All right. So we won't do that for too long, but you should feel a little bit oxygenated. You do. And it's really good yeah. for your spine. It actually wow. irrigates all the discs of your spine. It tones your waistline as well. Okay. Ah, so, <laughs> next one, this is great if you're just really tired, you've been sitting, the gravity has pressed all your vertebrae and neck together, you're just going to bend your knees, you're going to hang forward, I don't know whether you can be heard, but I'll talk while you hang. Um, just bend your knees and hang forward all the way so your stomach touches your thighs. Bend your knees and let your head and neck just relax. And that's going to create traction from coccyx to neck and stretch hamstrings, glutes, and bring some lovely circulation up into your head neck and brain and just take some deep breaths you can press the knees back a little bit more if you want more of a stretch and the lower back's nice and long your arms are hanging you can hold your elbows if you like to get some more traction through the shoulders and just take another deep breath there and then what I think you should do is come to your knees have we got time for one more can you go onto your knees down there <laughs> I'll be back. I'm doing it. We'll almost done. I'll be back. <laughs> so this, do you have space to do this? You're on all fours. And now this is a great way of waking up your spine, Fine. digestion, hips and glutes. Now you might not have room, but you're going to extend your right leg out behind you straight and your left arm up in front of your ear if you have room. And I don't sink your lower back, pull the belly up to the spine and roll the right hip down and lock the knee. Now, if you lift your leg higher, you'll warm up your glutes and hips. If you lift your arm higher, you'll stretch and strengthen shoulder. And now put the left hand back down, leave the leg up. I want you to touch your head to your knee and exhale round the spine. So bend your right knee, touch your head to your knee and then inhale, kick it back up again slowly. Be careful you don't bang your head on the desk arching the spine three more exhale head to knee that's opening the lower back and go ahead inhale eyes up leg up couple more this is waking up your spine it's going to really help the oxygenation of the body digestion and elimination if you've been a bit sluggish sitting in the chair one more <laughs> <laughs> and one oh. more Teacher. Yeah. Good. Do, do the other side if you have time. Otherwise, those of you listening at home, you would obviously do the other side. Yeah, I think. Um, well, I thought. Uh, well, those are quite. Oh, 
easy, non-stretchy ones because <sighs> if you've been sitting in a chair, I don't want to jump into some advanced pose. That so. is amazing. Well, look, thank you very, very much. I think <laughs> I've got, I've got head rush. I'm not gonna lie. Um, well, that's a good that's thing amazing, to do if, you, yes. if it's like a long day in the office. If you can find yourself like a square space, Honestly, and you can do stuff, and in you've the been sat at the desk well. all day. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, cool. Better than a coffee, really. Yes. Is. Um, <laughs> Michelle, thank you so so much for for joining us this You're morning. Very welcome. Uh, where can we find out about um, Fierce Grace Yoga? Just go to fiercegrace.com and all the studios and details about all the different classes are on there. That is amazing. And it makes me feel very, um, like I can approach it with ease. It really does. Thank um, you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks thank so you. Um, we are going to listen to Cheat Thrills um, featuring Sean Paul by Sia. Uh, don't go anywhere. We're back shortly. That was Sia there with Cheap Thrills. Uh, this is Food Bar Radio. Thank you for joining us if you have just uh, tuned in. We are currently um, embracing the live 24-hour show, all for the UN Women UK He For She campaign. And in the studio right now, we've got Rothwell. Good Woo! morning. Welcome. Thank you so, so much for joining us. You're welcome. You're like a ray of sunshine. Oh. You really are. <laughs> the smiles and everything. It's beautiful. Um, now, you are a Bristol-based singer-songwriter writer and says here you're championed by um, Mr. Jam, Annie Mac and Justin Bieber. You supported Bieber <laughs> on his 2017 arena tour. I did. That I is did. insane. <laughs> you are aware of that, aren't you? It's quite mad. That is... How did that even happen? So I was, um, I was actually singing with these guys called The Knox who are... Um, they did, I think, the whole universe with him, pretty much. Um, and I guess vocaled with them for a couple of the dates, and it was absolutely insane. Mm. I, um, the, the, the amount of people and the screaming girls is something I'll never experience ever again. Was it insane? It was so crazy. They all just sort of got so excited, and I was like, you don't know who I am. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm taking it. Taking it all. But I can't imagine what it must be like when he gets up there with all those people staring yeah. and screaming. But it was absolutely amazing. Well, describe your style of music. It's very much pop, which I've grown up on and I love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's sort of electro-pop, pop. pop. Wow. Um, but it, I originally did more folk and sort of singer songwriter stuff, but I've been writing for the last couple of years and it's sort of developed into what it is now, which is so much more fun to do live. I was very sad of making people cry. <laughs> Brilliant. Not that I always did. I've been weeping yeah. like a baby. <laughs> Trust me. The emotions are quite raw anyway, right? The hell, yeah. You know, very tender. Um, so, with you with music, um, is it something you've always loved? What the yeah. hell? Did you always know you wanted to do it? Was it writing music, music? How did it all. Um, I grew up doing singing lessons at school, or was always part of the musical theatre thing, which I steered away from quite early on but it definitely got me interested I was in Oliver and Fagan's gang never had a line Amazing. but she was, she was there at the back um, and it was it was so much fun and I just sort of developed it from there and I used to sing in school concerts and I'd always have to have someone accompany me because I couldn't play the guitar so their mum was like why don't you learn the guitar and then through that I started writing my own songs and then it just developed into this big thing and I went to study it for a couple of years at uni and yeah. Um, it's just gone from there, really. What would you say, as a female in the music industry, has been the most, I guess, challenging? And do you experience sexism? Um, I do. I think I am quite good at covering things with humour. So if someone mm -hmm. says something to me that 
I'm like, oh, wow, you wouldn't say that to another man. I'll try and cover it and make it funny and yeah. take the mick out of them. Um, but I definitely do. You are taken less seriously. And it's difficult it's to find the trend. hard... Yeah, it's mm. difficult to find the medium line of if you're being bossy... You become, I think Nicki Minaj once said, quote, <laughs> she is like, if you're a boss and you're tough, you become a bitch. This, yeah, but if you're um, weak and don't make your own decisions, you're a walkover. Mm -hmm. or, or you're trying to be nice, then you're a walkover and it's a nightmare. Men don't have that. You get a man no. in a powerful position. He's strong. He's, you know, um, that he's respected. But it's so true. A woman in that powerful position, she's a bitch. Yeah. You get that. You get that. <sighs> There's always an element of wanting to be nice because you're scared that people will think, oh, she's a diva. Diva's like the the worst word. You know, well, that's so true. Because mm. you don't get that for, for the men, do you? Mm. I've never thought about that. <laughs> very, very true. Like Mariah Carey, the original diva. Yeah. It's, yeah, you're pulling the female down. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say are your female musical influences? So I grew up listening to... Julie London and Nina Simone and sort Amazing. of the great jazz singers. Yeah. Um, but then the classics, God, Steps, S Club. Oh my God, I love you. And the Spice Girls were just my... Right, I was now always we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. <laughs> now we see what you're made of. <laughs> no, but I was always Baby Spice because I think Emma Bunton and I share a birthday. And then I was blonde and it was just... It's just an obvious thing. It was It's obvious. a win-win. It's a win-win. Um, we are very lucky because you're going to perform a live song for us. I am. I'm uh, going to... <laughs> no, I was going to say, um, tell, tell me what you're performing. I'm very excited about this. I'm going to sing um, a song by Nina Simone, Feeling Good. <gasps> yes. Just because she's inspired me as a woman yeah. and as a singer. So I thought I'd give you a bit of that, shall I? Go for Get it. Get the guitar. Are the tears from me going to happen now? Oh, no, or? probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Rach, don't worry about that. There'll be no crying. It's too early for that. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is Feeling Good. Birds flying high, you know how I feel Sun in the sky, you know how I feel Reeds drifting on by, that's how I feel It's a new dawn, it's a new day It's a new life for me and I'm feeling good Fish in the sea, you know how I feel River running free, you know how I feel Blossom in the tree, that's how I feel it's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me, and I'm feeling good. Dragonfly out in the sun, you know what I mean, don't you know? Butterflies all having fun, you know what I mean. 
Sleep in peace when day is done. That's what I mean. And this old world is a new world and a bold world for me. And I'm feeling good. Stars, when you shine, you know how I feel. Scent of a pie, you know how I feel. Oh, freedom is mine. I know how I feel. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life for me. And I'm feeling good. Feeling good. So good. So good. Stay here. I mean, I, I'm here till five. I'm in a rush. I'll just serenade you all afternoon. That'd be amazing. We don't mind at all. Dragging you down with me. Um, that is incredible. Where can people Thank find you. your music? Um, all online. I'm on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, and official Rothwell because I'm very official <laughs> on social media. I'm um, on Instagram and then Rothwell Music UK on Twitter. That is brilliant. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you for having me. Um, we are now going to play um, Velvet Heart yes. by, by yourself. So enjoy, and we'll see you guys in a few minutes. Fall into lust, but you grow into love. That was the incredible Rothwell um, there in the studio and her, one of her latest songs. Um, but we are going to go straight um, to the phone lines, because on the phone right now is surfer and model Laura Crane. Laura, welcome. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I think I'm all right. <laughs> I think I'm about, I've tried to work this out. I think I'm about 19 hours in. Yeah, I hope I'm 19 hours in. There. I hope it's not less. I really, really do. <laughs> um, but I'm doing, I'm doing good. And it's wonderful to have you on the phone lines. Um, you are a UK champion. Uh, well, you're a UK champion surfer at age 14. That is, yeah. that is madness. So tell me, how how long have you been um, surfing? How did it start for you? Um, so originally I'm from Bristol, um, and my parents moved to North Devon when I was about um, nine or ten, and then I kind of learned when I was down there because there wasn't really much else to do in North Devon apart from be at the beach and be in the ocean. And um, I guess I just picked it up pretty quickly. I uh, started doing some of the like smaller local competitions and kind of moved on to the nationals and yeah, became British champion, represented Team GB for a few years wow. and then I uh, got sponsored by Billabong and then I was it, sort of started travelling the world, doing kind of what I dreamed of doing when I was a kid, so yeah, it was pretty cool. That is incredible. How, um, I would say like, what is the toughest part about about surfing? Because... 
It's one of those sports I've not, I guess because I don't live near the sea, it's something I've never tried. Um, so what would you say is the toughest? If someone's listening to this right now and they want to start surfing, what is, the, I guess, the toughest thing about learning to surf? Um, I guess it massively depends on where you're from. In the UK, I guess the toughest thing about it would definitely be the cold by a long shot. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, probably in the UK, definitely the cold. But elsewhere, I mean, there's not that much bad about it. I'm obviously biased, but... Mm. <laughs> but I think that's brilliant. When did the modelling start? Um, modelling started probably when I was about 15. Okay, so it was like hand um, in hand, really. The surfing and the modelling both kind of went together. Yeah, so I was I was sponsored by Billabong, um, and I modelled for them for yeah, probably seven years, doing mm. their kind of like campaigns and things like that, um, alongside other brands that I was kind of sponsored for and things like that. Then had an agency in London that I did a, did some bits with and things like that. So it all kind of like started trickling in after the first thing started off really and how did you find um sorry hello this is Michaela Laura um how <laughs> hello. did you hello how did you find the transition from surfer to model obviously you were um, still doing the surfing but like obviously it's a, was it quite did you find it quite a different industry to work in did you find you know that it, it was like you know fish out of water or <laughs> um, I mean I think I'm lucky because a lot of the modeling I do is always kind of um, to do with either sports or certain yeah. so it's never really like too far apart it's not like I'm going and walking in New York Fashion Week or anything like that so yeah. it's not I mean for me it's never been anything that's kind of really pushed me into a situation that I don't feel comfortable or anything like that so it's yeah I've, I think I've enjoyed it probably not equally as much as the surfing but I've definitely made some amazing friends from it and all of those kinds of bits and travelled the world with it so yeah, it's been oh, fantastic. So fully embraced. Yeah, 100%. Um, Laura, you, this is obviously um, a show for the He For She campaign, uh, men and women working yeah. together. Is surfing more male-dominated? Um, I get really get asked that a lot. I think probably 10 years ago, you would have seen a totally different sport and probably a completely different answer from me. But I think mm. in the last probably five years there's been a real like push and I think girls have made like a massive um leap towards it being to, you know earning the same money and if not in some situations more because I guess the whole social media thing is a lot more sellable I think for the like female side of it now these days um so yeah I think I think it's definitely worlds apart from where it was about yeah 10 years ago there was competitions that girls just weren't allowed to compete mm. and have, hold the events in certain places because they thought it was too big or mm. too dangerous for the girls and then yeah the girls sort of put them, their foot down and were like no you know what we can do this and, um, so yeah no surfing is definitely not one of those sports that tries to create a barrier that's for sure which is incredible because, you know, we've spoken to a lot of um, actors, comedians, um, so many different people from all walks of life. And they, especially creatives that have suffered um, sexism. I mean, actually, have you suffered sexism? If you haven't in surfing, how about modelling? Have you have you suffered any sexism there? Um, no. <laughs> no. Which is great. It's amazing. I think... I think, yeah, growing up at being a surfer, I've been, like, surrounded by boys your whole life. So you get, like, you from day dot, you 
kind of given like t- tough skin kind of thing. So yeah, I don't think I ever got the chance to be sort of put in that position. And I guess in surfing, we're all literally just one big family. Like it sounds really cliche, but we've travelled mm-hmm. the world together since we were so young. Yeah. So the boys always have the girls back, and the girls have the boys back, and vice versa. Like, there's never, you know, there's never really. Uh, oh, you're a girl. Like it's not. You're not going to come mm. surf with us. You know, we all do the same thing because we love to do it. So there's never. Yeah, I, I think surfing's definitely a rare one. It's definitely a different industry for sure. Um, the modelling. Mm, yeah, I guess the 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 sea. Like, the sea is no colder to, mean, to one sex like, than the other. Little, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so different. I always say to people, one day I'm kind of like lounging around on the beach, like surfing and having a Hell of a time, and next time in a studio, in a photo but I mean, it's all it's all relative, I suppose. Yeah, yeah it's it's very true. And, you know, let's talk about um, very quickly inspirational uh, women. Who would you say are your inspirational, either your insp- inspirational woman or inspirational women? Um, inspirational women. I'm a massive fan girl of Jessica Ennis, like massive fan girl. Very good answer. Um, Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think she's. Yeah, I think she's awesome. I think she's really cool. Um, I mean, what she does is amazing, and she's beautiful. And I think she uses her beauty in a way that, I mean, seriously, um, yeah, she's she's made like an amazing brand. And I think she's definitely somebody for girls to look up to. That's for sure. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, look, uh, Laura Crane, thank you so so much for talking to us uh, today. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you. Have a have a wonderful day. <laughs> Thank you very much. Cheers from you guys as well. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. Bye. Cheers. Bye. That's uh, Laura Crane there, surfer and a model. I would love to be a surfer. That's what I'm going to say. Well, I've actually just got a, a text through from a friend of mine, and she's saying that her husband is uh, not going into the sea. It's too cold, which is a one-off, and he's a surfer. Unheard of. It is absolutely unheard of. Uh, this is um, the um, 24 hour live uh, marathon show here at Fubar Radio. Um, we are supporting the He for She campaign. Uh, we'd love your donations, so do text us um, UNWN15, followed by the amount you would like to donate to 70070. All money donated is going towards changing the reality for women and girls globally. Um, we are here until 5 pm, so don't go. Anywhere. Fubar Radio and UN Women UK present a live 24 hour radio show. 24 hours. Again, I do love that ident because it just reminds me this is 24 hours. Um, Michaela, I believe you are leaving me. I am. Dead to me. You think you know a girl? You think you know a girl? It's fine. It's fine. I can look after myself. Um, Thank you for joining us. Um, Thank you for having me. Where can people find out more about Made With Style? Um, it's uh, madewithstylelondon.com. Obviously, it's made M-A-I-D uh, mm-hmm. as a bridesmaid. Um, and at Made With Style London is, uh, is the social media. And yeah, there's lots, lots of exciting things coming up. Uh, we've got a subscription actually is our is going to be our latest thing where we will actually be partnering with a fantastic charity who are there to fight um, human trafficking. So look out for more details on that. Fantastic. Uh, well, Michaela, thank you for joining us. It's been thank brilliant. Uh, we are going to take a little breather. <laughs> I am going to take a little breather. Um, this is Alicia Keys' girlfriend. Enjoy. I'll be back in a few moments. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes.